The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Welcome to the tabernacle. That was terrible. <laughs> we're glad you're here. Uh, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors, and uh, we're here to love God, uh, to love people with everything we have, and uh, to do our best to make disciples, not just disciples of other people, but not the least of which ourselves. Uh, one thing I love about being a part of this church is I've I believe that God is making me into the disciple more and more that he wants me to be. And I'm excited about the Spirit Series, and I'm excited about the Spirit Series intro video. I don't know if you are, but it just gets me in the mood for to talk about the Spirit, right? So uh, the stuff we're going to be talking about this weekend um, has a theological bent to it, but I believe we can handle it. And uh, there's some folks uh, that when it comes to speaking about the Holy Spirit, we have a tendency to kind of shy away from it. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that we don't understand the Spirit, and, and that's, that's natural. Because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity, which by the way, we don't see the word Trinity anywhere in the Scriptures. But we know that there's a Trinity, because in Scriptures we hear of God the Father... We know God the Son, and that's Jesus, and then we hear about God the Spirit. And if you were with us last weekend, you heard Pastor Tim preach emphatically that the Spirit is God, and that's important for us. But the problem is, is the Spirit, I can't see the Spirit, I can't touch the Spirit, and then when you roll in some teaching about the Spirit that maybe I've heard or maybe some of my friends have heard about, we get a little freaked out about the Spirit. Can you relate? But the fact is, we're not called to be freaked out by the Spirit. We're called to understand with what God has given us, who the Spirit is, what the Spirit does. And so that's what we're looking at in this second installment of the Spirit series this weekend. We're going to talk about how to receive the Holy Spirit, or what receiving the Holy Spirit looks like. And I promise you, what we're going to share in this message is right out of Scripture, and it's for every single person who's with us here live or who's watching online. And it doesn't matter if you're watching live or tape delay or through a screen, because as you heard in the video, the Spirit goes where the Spirit wants to go. The Spirit is God. The Spirit is not a force. The Spirit is a person. 
And so we try to come up with diagrams to explain the Godhead, and that's always funny to me. In fact, I spent some time Googling it this week, and let me find a good diagram to explain Father, Son, and Spirit, and how we can have three persons, one essence. And they're all terrible, right? Because we're trying to explain a divine mystery. Now, if you wrote one of those or drew one of those online, I don't mean to offend you, but this is probably the best one. And so for those of us that are visual, I'd like to share this one. Maybe you've seen, uh, and I'd like to share this one. There we go. Yeah, that, uh, that, that we have the God is three in one. And, and we have this infinity symbol showing us that God the Father is not God the Son. God the Son is not God the Spirit, and God the Spirit is not God the Father, but they're all one. And as I've said before, enjoy thinking about that this evening as you go to bed, uh, you lay your head on your pillow, you'll get an ice cream headache, and then eventually you'll fall asleep, right? So this is a visual, but it's a good visual for us because this is God. Three persons, one essence. God the Father didn't be, you know, stop being the Father so He could become the Son. And then uh, the Spirit didn't take over where the Son left off. All three, eternal. We could go on and on. Maybe you're not visual. I, I was speaking to a friend this week and he was like, well, these are for the math people in your church. And I'm like, don't give me math. I, I didn't like math class. I'm a little afraid of math teachers. And algebra was the worst. Sorry, did I offend a bunch of mathematicians? Just in case you're a mathematician, we'll put it to you this way. It says it's easy. God is 1x equals 3y. And I said I I faked my way through algebra. I'm not quite sure what that means. But simply put, one God, 1x, equal to, equivalent, the same as 3y, Father, Son, Spirit. And maybe you're more of a feeler, and I'll just leave you with this one. And this one is actually not that I'm a feeler, but this has served me well in trying to explain the Trinity. Scripture tells us that God is love, right? It says in more than one place, God is love. Everything about God is love. And if you think about it, in order for love to exist, you must have a lover, you must have a lovee, a receiver of that love, and you must have the spirit of love between them. Well, that sounds a whole lot like the Trinitarian God. The Father God loves the Son. He's the object of His love. And God the Son loves the Father back. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love between them. So all of that to say, if you're lost already, don't be lost. These are just some things to think about. We're going to speak about receiving the Spirit. And we're going to go with what the Scripture tells us. And any further into the divine mystery, we can't go. We can't go. In fact, I was speaking with a brother just last week, uh, and uh, he, he, he walked right up to me in the third space in Buckley, and he said, John, I get it. I get it now. I get it. And I said, what do you get? And he said, well, remember nine months ago, I was asking you about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, and it didn't make sense to me. And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, just in church, I got it. I got it. We're good. And he, wa- he was so happy. You know, and I was like, I'm glad he's got it because it's still a mystery to me, <laughs> right? But the Spirit teaches it, I believe it. So the first thing I think that's important for us tonight, there's three big things, but here's the, here's the first thing that I want us to get, whether it's tonight or you're watching tomorrow here in Buckley, is first this, you receive the Spirit when you first believe in Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit when you first believe in Christ. 
Now, this is important for us because some of us have maybe been exposed to teaching where someone maybe said, hey, to you, have you received the Spirit? And you're like, I thought I was a Christian. Scripture teaches us that we receive the Spirit when we first believe. We're going to look at Ephesians. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And there's two verses there that are very instructive for us. Now, we believe there's no wasted words in Scripture, so we'll take Scripture at its word. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. Now, if we pause right there, the words in yellow, those are in your Bible. Look it up. When you believed in Christ, that's when it happened that he made you his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. That's the moment. Where were you when you first believed in Christ? For some of us, it was in an old time church where we came down to an altar and got on our knees. In fact, some of us believe that's the only place where you could receive the Spirit. Not true, because the Scripture says, when you believe. For some of us, that was in a deer stand. For some of us, that was driving in a car. For some of us, it was when we hit rock bottom. For some of us, it was in a hotel room. For some of us, we're not even sure when we first believed. We just know that we believed. It was a process. We found ourselves believing. I don't know, but God knows. That's when you received the Holy Spirit. There's a verse. Do we believe scripture? That's when the spirit takes up residence. And Paul goes on to say in verse 14, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So not only do we receive the spirit the moment we become a Christian, the spirit is a guarantee Now, if you grew up in a church that was adamant about arguing about small rocks instead of focusing on the big rocks, this was a divisive verse. Because then you had that group of people that started saying, once saved, always saved. And then there was another group of people says, no, you can't be once saved, always saved, because what if you become a Christian and just go out and just sin like a madman? And then the argument ensued. Which always happens when we try to pin God down to our own little constructs. I prefer to just go to the scripture and says that the moment you or I believe the spirit is received. The spirit takes up residence. And the next verse is that the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give you the inheritance. A guarantee. In some translation it says it's a seal. It's a promise. So it begs the question, does God lie? Do we believe God lies? There's a verse. You receive the Spirit when you first believe in Christ. That's one of the reasons we call it being born again. So it doesn't matter who you are, you're listening, you could be a child in one of our services. You could be an adult. You could be wondering... The fact is, the state of your salvation is between you and God. Only you and God really know. But if you've truly believed that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you're born again. You're a child of God. The Spirit 
lives in you and you're sealed. It's a guarantee. Isn't that a good feeling? In fact, we'd probably just close the Bible and just close up shop. It's a guarantee. The best I can come up with this is, is, you know, I was born and raised in the church and I read a lot of Bible and I probably even taught a little bit of it. But in my mid-20s, my wife and I were blessed with our very first child, a daughter. We were in Charlotte, North Carolina. And as I've told you before, I saw the birth against my will. Um, it was a horrifying experience and beautiful. Okay, ladies, I get it, but it was horrifying, you know, and you know, the doctor is like, Oh, would you like to cut the cord? And I'm like, I guess, sure. And he's like right here. And I go, you'll have to show me. I, I, I don't want to go to, to right there. Snip, right? I'm that guy. But that moment when, uh, they cleaned her up from looking like Yoda, you know, and, and wiped all the too much information, they put our child in my arms. That was the moment. That was the moment that I understood sealed. That was the moment I understood what it meant to be a child of God. We've been blessed with four others. And I'll tell you, with every one of my children, there is nothing they can ever do that will make them not be my child. They can walk away. I will never walk away. I'll cross heaven and earth to get to them. Pick them up out of a ditch and bring them home. It's a good deal to be a Christian. It's a good deal to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. And you receive the Spirit when you first believe in Christ. There's another scripture that speaks to this and also causes us confusion. Over in 1 Corinthians Paul's writing to this church in uh, chapter 12 and in verse 13. This is what he writes. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Now, he's writing to a church. And you've been a part of our church or churches long enough to know, is everyone perfect in church? Sometimes people in church sin, don't they? Yes, you know you do. And I do too, right? But he says right there, we're one body and all of you have been baptized into the same spirit. What is this teaching us? It's teaching us that sometimes it's called receive the spirit. Sometimes it's called baptized in the spirit. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Why is this important? Because we run into people all the time that it's like, well, I received the Spirit, but then I was baptized in the Spirit, and then later on I got filled in the Spirit, and I'm just full of all sorts of tingles. <laughs> and the problem is it's not biblical. Because sometimes for this divine mystery, we use different words to say the same thing. So receiving the Spirit, being baptized into one body in the same Spirit, is the same thing. And what we also see in this verse in 1 Corinthians is when he says some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. He's saying this baptism in the Holy Spirit is for everyone who believes. There's little kids with us today that are Christians. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit even if you haven't been baptized in water yet. There's people here that are wondering, well, you know, I was a Christian and then I wandered away and spent a long time wandering away and then I came back. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit didn't leave. It was a guarantee. 
You received the Spirit the moment you first believed. You were baptized. Immersed is the word. The moment you first believed. So pause just for a moment and think, if you're a Christian, well, that Spirit's like right down in there. I mean, that's a big deal. I received, I've been baptized if I believed and been born again. Why is this important for us? Well, it's the second point, and it's basic, but I, I think it's important. Without the Spirit, you're not a Christian. Without the Spirit, you're simply not a Christian. And so this is important because some people think that somehow you can be a Christian and not have the Spirit and then there's some sort of super Christians that maybe have had you know, more maturity and now that they have the Spirit. No, the Spirit is given to all. That's what the Old Testament prophets said would come. That's what Jesus said would come. That's what the disciples preach. That's what the gospel says. So on the flip side, without the, Christ, without the Spirit, you're not a Christian. So I was walking in the mall. This was also against my will. And uh, this was several years ago. In fact, it was many years ago. I'd, I'd just become uh, 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 the, or one of the pastors here. And i have been a part of the student ministry for a while. And, and, and now I was preaching almost every Sunday. And, and there was this one family that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I love this family. It's a dear family. And we bump into them in the mall. Which, by the way, public service announcement, if you decide that our church is not the church for you, and then later we bump into each other in the wall, don't act awkward, right? We're still going to be in heaven together, so just say hi, and we'll say, good job, I like you, don't like your music, move on. Okay, can we agree to that, right? So it was awkward for a minute, and we're shaking hands, and we're being friends, and you know, and then all of a sudden, this guy who had been in youth group, and then he'd been a part of the church as, as an adult, and now he's moved somewhere else. He says to me, John, I just got to ask you something. I got to ask you something, man. You know, he goes, I've been going to this church, and it's just really cool. So, man, I just got to ask you, have you ever been given the Holy Spirit? And he was just all happy. And I wasn't in the mood because I was in the mall. And I probably should have been nicer. But instead, I'm like, do you realize how offensive that is that you just asked me that? And he goes, well, what are you talking about? I said, you asked me if I've ever received the Spirit? I was your youth pastor, man. I baptized you, bro. I mean, and he was like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, he proceeded to explain to me that he'd been at a church where they were having a great worship time and a, probably a lot of great people. And then somebody, some sort of Jedi, came up to him and says, would you like to receive the Spirit? And he said, I'd love to receive the Spirit. And she put her hand on me, John, and it was like tingles went right up my arm. And it just made me sad. It made me sad. Because I knew he was a Christian. I knew he already had the Spirit. You know, and I know many of us might even say, well, I had an experience like that. Well, that's why we need the scripture to explain our experiences. Because just because we've had an experience doesn't make it true. It doesn't even make it real. The Bible teaches that the moment we believe, that's when we receive the Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And without the Spirit, you're not a Christian. I tried to explain it to him in those few short moments right there, but I think I honestly did more damage than good. It says in Romans chapter 8, it speaks to this. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Well, what are the implications? That if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to Him. That's why I was offended in the mall that day. He was asking me, he was questioning whether the Spirit was ever in me. And that's not what he meant, and I get it, and I don't want to cause too many hurt feelings here. But I do want to stand for what the Bible teaches, not what sometimes we get sideways with. He says, if we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to him at all. But if you notice in the first part of that verse, and if we could flip back to the first part again, it says... But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. You see, I may have received the Spirit, but I'm still an earthly, fallen, broken man. I'm still mortal, and so are you. And so I may receive the eternal Holy Spirit of God, but I'm still flesh, and I'm still going to screw up. If you were with us during the Roman series, that what we talked about, we have our flesh, but we're also born of the Spirit. And those two natures are at war inside of me, and they're at war inside of you. And the implication is I have a choice to live by my flesh or live according to the Spirit. I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, I didn't all of a sudden stop sinning altogether. And this is a problem too, because many of us wonder, well, I, I, you know, I sin so much, maybe the Spirit's not in me. No, you're a sinner under construction. We're in process. All of us are. And what Paul was teaching is we have to either be controlled by the Spirit, to allow the Spirit to control me, or I allow my flesh to control me. And friends, this is huge. Because so many of us go chasing experiences, thinking this is the prayer, this is the church, this is the altar, this is the worship experience. This time I really, really mean it. And we pray a prayer and we get saved for the 187th time. And we find we're the same person that woke up the next morning. The Spirit was always there. Guarantee. There's a verse. You belong to Him. Well, what about this fight that's going on in me? I'm glad you asked. If we go back to Ephesians, there's one more verse I want to look at this weekend, and it's in chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 18. And it's interesting because this verse gets used the wrong way. The focus is on the illustration instead of what God's trying to teach us. Just stay with me. I know this is a lot, but we can do this. In verse 18... Of Ephesians chapter 5. It says don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. Instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. But instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is the action. This is the illustration. Right? Now it's a good idea not to be drunk with wine. And maybe that's a message some of us need to hear again and again. Because here's a fact. It will ruin your life. It leads to debauchery is what it says in the ESV. 
a lot of mistakes. And there's marriages involved in our church that have paid the price. There are single moms that have paid the price. There are single men that have paid the price. There are children that have paid the price of people that decide that it's a good idea to be drunk with wine. He's just stating a fact. But what Paul's teaching is this part. Instead, he's saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to be drunk with wine, and I don't mean to be crass, there's a certain sequence of events that happens. And don't sit there stone-faced like you don't know. What happens under the influence of alcohol? First, you get really, really relaxed. Right? The anxiety, the angst, there's a, there's a relaxation that takes place. What's second? Confidence. Confidence you never had. I'm going to go talk to this girl. Right? And this girl's like, here he comes, give me another. Right? Right? This confidence is the famous hold my beer moment. You guys, you're acting like you don't know what I'm talking about. You've seen on YouTube where it's like, this guy did something really bad and then redneck dads hold my beer and then it's, uh, you know, viral. (laughs) And he's in the hospital. (laughs) After increased confidence, there's a loss of inhibition. And then finally, there's a loss of control. Sound familiar? That's what it means to be drunk with wine. But Paul says, instead be filled with the Spirit. And I believe this is teaching us that both are a choice. I make a choice to drink. I make a choice to drink too much. I make a choice to get drunk. And then usually as it escalates, you don't remember the last part of it. That's what causes so much pain. But being filled with the Spirit is also a choice. You choose to drink of the Spirit. It's real practical. It's real tactical. This is what I'm most excited about is this part. Being filled with the Spirit is a choice. It's a choice to be obedient. It's a choice to do what God's Word says. What that Spirit inside is telling me to do. When the Spirit quickens my conscience. When I was a little kid, there were certain things I knew that I shouldn't do. And then when my parents told me and then I learned about it in church, I was learning to walk According to the Spirit. To be filled according to the Spirit. And the more Spirit you let in, the more the Spirit takes over. You could say it this way. Be filled with the Holy Spirit means choose to be dominated by the Holy Spirit. You see, some of us forever are just playing put your right foot in and put your right foot out with church. Put your right foot in with God. No, 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 no. I don't want to do that, man. The water's cold. I want a little bit of obedience, but no, no, no. Can't you just wave your magic wand and make it happen? Can someone give me a tingle? He requires faith, hearing and doing. He asks us to put one foot and then another foot. And the Spirit begins to fill our lives. And as we find Him faithful, we put another foot in front of the other. And the Spirit begins to dominate our lives. Have you ever met someone that, wow, it just seemed like God was just oozing out of them? They were full of the fruits of the Spirit. They were peaceful. They were loving. They were forgiving. They were gentle. They were patient. They were kind. They had self-control. Have you ever met someone like that? That person is filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone in the band was asking me this weekend, uh, hey, we're talking about filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that when we get the banners and the flags out and start running through the aisles? 
no and no. <laughs> Keep your seatbelts on. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. This is what I'm trying to say. Being filled with the Spirit is very practical. And it's every day. You see, we want to glamorize things. And we begin to treat the Spirit as this, this impersonal force. And we begin to treat people because we're all full of sin. Sometimes preachers will do these despicable, heretical things. I saw a preacher one time on television tell everyone how he was going to give everyone the spirit in the room. And he asked them all to stand. And then he went. And they all fell down. Except the cameraman. God forbid... God forbid. I can't give you the spirit. I'm not God. And anyone who tells you they can give you the spirit is a heretic. They're not God either. The spirit goes where the spirit goes. And no man controls the spirit. No woman controls the spirit. You, we can receive the Spirit and become a child. And as we give and submit our lives to the Spirit's control, we become filled. Now, if you're like me, because I'm a snarky, smart aleck, I, I remember when I was a kid, I'd hear people say, well, be filled with the Spirit. You know, didn't he pray that last week? And didn't he pray that last year? What happened? Is he leaking? Who's ever thought of that before? Just raise your hand. Is that guy leaking the Holy Spirit someplace? I'm the only one. Okay. Fact is, you can. But it's your choice. When I choose, instead of being led by the Spirit, to be dominated by the flesh, the Spirit is less of a force in my life because I'm not giving the Spirit the control that the Spirit deserves. I'm not submitting to the Spirit's control. This is what's interesting. When you're filled with the Spirit, and we begin to walk in the Spirit, which is obedience. It's obedience to God's Word. It's hearing and doing His Word, one step at a time. This is what happens. First thing that happens is you get really relaxed. Right? Because I, you know, I've read somewhere in the Bible that says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. So I don't have that spirit of fear. I'm I'm giving him tomorrow. So I get relaxed. I also become more confident. But it's not a hold my beer. It's a hold my Bible. I'm about to obey. (laughs) Thanks. I came up with that myself. (laughs) Not only that is we begin to lose our inhibitions. You know, I'm watching men, friends of mine, that as they give God more and more control, they're losing Their inhibitions in worship. They're losing their inhibitions in talking about their faith with their wife or praying with their wife. They're losing their inhibition about sharing their faith, sometimes with total strangers. One of them said, I don't care who knows or what you think about me. I'm about God. That's a guy that's being filled up with the Spirit. Does that make sense? And last but not least, when you're filled with the Spirit, you lose control. But not like some of the things that we've heard and seen, the things that I believe give God and the Spirit a bad name, flopping around, barking like a dog, holy laughter. Look it up. It's all real. It's not that kind of losing control. I'm sorry. That's not of God. It's not. 
but it's giving God control of my life, allowing him to say to me, go here and I go, stay there and I stay, speak here and I speak, shut up for once and I do, right? That's being filled with the Spirit and it's a process. You see, being filled with the Spirit is submitting to God's control. Submitting to God's control. Letting God lead. Letting God be God. Letting God worry about tomorrow. Letting God be the rock that we build our lives on. That's being filled with the Spirit. And it's okay to ask God to fill you with His Spirit. Because in those, in those words and in that moment and in that prayer, you're asking for more of Him in your life and you're telling Him that that's your heart's desire. And He knows you're going to screw up. You know, back to the illustration of my daughter when she was first born. She was mine and nothing was ever going to take her away from me. Nothing was ever going to change that. But over the next 22 years, she's learning what it means to be a member of my family. And as she grows and as she matures, it's a, it's a baby step at a time. It's a, it's a baby year at a time. And then it's becoming a teenager. And now it's becoming a 20-something. And even though she's married, I love to remind her that her brain is not fully formed yet. Because it's not. It's not formed until you're 25. So you're welcome, right? And then even after that, some of us, it takes till 49. But just because you're born into a family... There's a long process of learning what it means to carry the name. And it's the same thing with being a child of God, being born again, receiving the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, same time, and then that process of being filled with the Spirit. You can even spend years away from God. The Spirit never left. But the moment in repentance you return, that filling begins again. This is what the Bible teaches Choosing to be dominated. Choose to, choosing to be intoxicated. Now we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you stick with us over the next few weeks, we'll talk about that. Because how can the Spirit and the flesh part, the sin, how can that be in the same person? Right? This is my greatest fear. If you were to follow me around for a week, or this is why I go the other way. If I ever see you in a store, it's like, I don't want them to see me at my worst, right? How can these holy words come out of John's mouth on a weekend, and then I saw him tell that person they were number one in traffic? <laughs> By the way, I have never done that, all right? I have, I just, that was an example, right? But then you're crushed. It's like, how can the Spirit of God and flesh be the same? Oh, Christianity's not even true, and you walk away. Because I'm in process, too. I'm in process, too. And I can grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? The Spirit that lives in me is grieved when I live according to the flesh. When I sin. When I do what I know that God doesn't want me to do. That's when we grieve the Holy Spirit. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit in a moment. You can grieve the Holy Spirit for a week. You can grieve the Holy Spirit for decades. But you received Him if you truly believed. And you're guaranteed. That means the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now why is that important? Because when you die physically, you won't be dead spiritually. Because that Spirit lives in you. That's, how we, that's the only way to have eternal life. 
Being filled with the Spirit is submitting to God's control. And so for this weekend, not knowing every person that's here, not knowing every person that's going to attend in Manistee, not knowing every person that's going to be watching from jail, I'm told that this is the first weekend we'll be in the Manistee jail. I'm excited about that. They're having a church service there, and it's the Tabernacle Church service, so welcome our brothers, right? And sisters. Wherever you are, there's two ways to respond. If you've never received the Holy Spirit, that means you've never become a Christian. I would invite you to become a Christian. I would invite you to believe, to choose to believe that there is one God who eternally exists in three persons. That his son, Jesus, was sent to the earth to die on a cross for our sins. That whosoever believed in his name would have eternal life. And in that moment, receive the spirit. I can't give it to you, but you can choose to believe. And it doesn't matter who you are, Greek, Jew, slave, free, man, woman, divorce, horrible past, pretty good guy, child, anywhere in between. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you. That is an amen. That's exciting. So if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do that. Most likely, most of us have received the Spirit, but we've been a little freaked out by the Spirit. We don't know what to do with the Spirit. We don't understand the Spirit. My challenge would be to choose to be filled with the Spirit. To choose to be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to blow on you. I'm not, hopefully, I, I don't give you any tingle. But it's practical when we choose, with God's help, to obey God. To walk before Him in humility. To walk before Him in obedience. It's, it's the simple things. The way I choose to speak to my wife. The way I choose to love her, the way Christ loved the church. The way I choose to go here and not there because I know that there would be dishonoring to God. And there's going to be moments when I'm going to feel the prefrontal cortex start to blow because I'm angry because that referee is clueless. And I can have the feeling, but you know, if instead I go, you know what, this is a guy who doesn't even really know the game. Is it really worth this? I'm going to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And choose to let that one go. Those little bait, it's that practical, I promise you. It's that practical. Choosing to be filled with the Spirit. And as a sidebar, I, I, would, I would encourage all of us, be careful that we don't chase experiences of the Spirit. And here's why. It's not that we can't experience the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. But when I chase an experience instead of God himself, I am not chasing God, I'm chasing me. I'm living for me. I'm living for the feeling, for the buzz. And you might as well get drunk on wine. But instead, the scripture said, be filled with the Spirit. So what's God telling you to do? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Lord, very simply, I ask is that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that have not received your spirit, man, woman, or child, that they would ask you into their life, that they would be saved, that they would become a Christian. 
And God, I pray for all of us, those of us that have received your spirit because of your grace and because of your power. God, would you help us to be filled with your spirit by choosing to obey, by choosing to live according to your word. We're going to need your help to be filled. And God, I pray that you would help us to commit ourselves to right teaching and right thinking And to filter all of our experiences through the filter of your word. For your glory and our joy. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.